Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. Um, so I want to talk about really the most foundational promise in all of the scripture, and it's found in Genesis 12. So as you're standing, I'm going to go through it real quick. Three verses here. The Lord said to Abram, go out from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. So he says, go, and I'll show. He says, go. In verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing. Not only will you be blessed, but you'll also be a blessing. I'll bless those that bless you, and whoever curses you, will I will curse. And all people on the earth will be blessed through you. Um, the Hebrew writer sheds some more light on this, not only in chapter 6, but also 11. I just want to look. It'll be on the screen real quick, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 13. When God made his promise, you're going to see this over and over. When God made his promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received, here it is again, what was promised. People swear by, themse- uh, by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said to put an end to all arguments. This is saying that almost like if you were to go get a loan and your name wasn't big enough, they would have somebody co-sign, or you'd put up some collateral, um, and, and, and because it kind of matters whose signature signs the check, kind of matters whose bank account is attached to that check, somebody said amen, uh, but it says that God could find no one higher than himself, so he put his name on that promise. Verse 17 says, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. Turn to somebody and say, God has a promise for you. And I always do it, tell somebody else, just for good measure, God has a promise for you too. You can be seated. Thanks you guys to the band. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Great day today. It's a great day in the house. Beautiful weather outside. Great day to be in the house. I don't know what... Uh, is on your agenda today, but I'm glad you're in the house today. Um, blesses me to, to be with you today. You know, um, really and truly, uh, one of I'm going to try to button this jacket today. Uh, one, one of the greatest, I always, I, like when I start the sermon, I always like, okay, is your jacket button? Okay, it's one. Um, is that all right? You guys that way? Is that just me? I guess, I don't know. Nobody want to give me an amen on that. The, one of the most foundational promises of all the scripture is uh, what we know as the Abraham's covenant. Um, it was the promise, it said it over and over again, that God gave to his man Abraham. And, and we saw it there, but I just want to dissect it a little bit today and look at it. Because it's not just a promise for Abraham, but it's also a promise for you. 
I want to get that down deep in your spirit. And there's some folks that are already ahead of me, and I appreciate it. But it's not just a promise. And I was saying that over and over in our miracle series. This wasn't just something to look at in a history book of something that happened thousands of years ago. But it's a manual to understand God's covenant with you and I today. So it's not just that we read about a miracle working God in the past. But if Jesus is alive... If Jesus is alive, that means the promise still stands. Somebody ought to say amen. And so this was, this was the promise to Abraham, and by extension, it's to us too. He said, if you'll leave your father's house, if you'll leave the familiar, if you'll leave the idols, the sin, the error of your family and of your father, he said, I'll give you, a, if you'll leave your father's house, if you'll leave your father's land, I'll give you greater land. I'll give you a promised land. And this is a promise that became available to all of his descendants. It was available uh, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, who became Israel, and then to all the sons of Israel that made the, the tribes of Israel. But the Bible also tells us that we have been grafted in through Jesus Christ into that blessing and into that family, into that spiritual family. And so don't disqualify yourself from the promises that God has for your life. Now, this was a promise of, of blessing. Yes, it was. It was a promise of provision. It was a promise of protection. But it was also a spiritual promise as well. Last week, I, I wanted to focus on that, that promise uh, that we read, that New Testament promise, but this promise as well is for everybody. And, and last week I talked a lot about how we can disqualify ourselves from the promise and say, hey, there's something in my life, there's something in my past, there's something going on with me that, that maybe that promise is not for me. But we saw those lepers last week. And in the lepers, I mean, in the life of the lepers, you know, society had disqualified them. The priests had disqualified them. The temple had disqualified them. Their job had disqualified them. Their, their own families had kicked them out. But you know who didn't disqualify them? Jesus did not disqualify them. And I just, I don't want to preach last week's message, but if Jesus has not disqualified you, don't let anybody else disqualify you. His promises are good. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you ought to just run to the altar, run to the house of God, because there's restoration available for you. So don't disqualify yourself. First uh, Corinthians, I, I love this passage. I, I, it, it stood out to me this week. First Corinthians, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Yeah. Can I say that to the church today? Yeah. Think of what you were when you stepped into that baptism tank. Yeah. Think of what you were when you came to the altar for the first time. Yeah. And he says, not many of you were wise. How many know wisdom comes from God? He says, but not by human standards. Not many of y'all were influential. Not many of you had a noble birth. You didn't come from the right neighborhood, the right side of town, the, the right last name. Not, not many of you did. But he says, but God chose the foolish things. We're the foolish things. These foolish hands, this foolish mouth, these foolish feet to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. 
I don't know what, if you understand it today, but he's chosen you. You are his hands. You are his feet. You are his mouth. Don't disqualify yourself because God likes to elevate people that were not elevated by human standards, but they're at the foot of the table. They're at the back of the class. I wonder if I have any C students that would help me preach today and just say, I shouldn't be where I am, but God elevated me. God picked me up. God blessed me. I stepped out and God had me walk on the water. I opened my mouth and God filled it. I just began to work and God blessed And I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for the promise of God on my life. So all you stood up were C students, I guess. All right, join the club. If you're feeling today that you're unqualified, not good enough, not spiritual enough, not whatever enough, I want to tell you today it ain't about you. Can I say that? It's about the one that made the promise, it's about the one that signed the check. And the promise is not based on me, it's based on him, his goodness, his ability, his anointing. His power. I just want to remind somebody, he doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And if you're called, that song just said, nobody can stop it. Nobody can block it. Nobody can turn away what God has promised. And if God opened the door, nobody can shut it. Nobody can cancel it. So the promise uh, to Abraham was a promise. I want you to catch this. It was a promise about this life, but also the next life. This promise is ex- that is extended to us is, it is about the here and now, but it's also about eternity. You know, I, I think sometimes we, we focus maybe too much on one or the other. We're, we're human people. We live in this world. It's this existence. And sometimes we allow the enemy to take heaven off the table. Yeah. I just want to tell you, I'm living for heaven. I got a few in the house. I, 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 I want to do what I can here. I, I want to do all I can here. But I'm living for heaven. And this promise is about here to be blessed and protected and provide. But it's also about heaven. And so here it is in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out, that he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelled in the land of promise, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. How many know we are just traveling through? But this is not our home. It's a wilderness. It's a foreign land. But I'm going to reach the promised land. He said he lived in tents just like Isaac and Jacob, and they were heirs of the same promise, and we are too. But he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. That is the heavenly city that we are walking toward. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive, bore a child past the age she was supposed to, um, and, and the faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born many of the stars, innumerable as the sand on the seashore. What it's saying is that you and I are grafted into that same promise. And just like the Lord led his people from bondage through the wilderness to the promised land, that same promise is available to you. 
I was in chains. I was in a pit. I was in darkness. I'm traveling now. I'm following him. I stepped out of of the old and I'm stepping in and God is showing me and leading me. But it's all going to the promised land whose builder and maker is God. Now, let me maybe get where y'all are living here. I don't know if you've ever heard of the modern philosophy YOLO. I said this before on Easter, I think, years ago. It's a modern philosopher that said you only live once. And I just tell you, it's not true. I don't know if this acronym is as cool, but it's true. My acronym is YALT. (laughs) Vanessa laughed at me three years ago when I said this. It's you actually live twice. It's not YOLO. You actually live twice, and it's true, because what we do here reverberates there, and I'm seeking God's promise here, but I'm also seeking God's promise there. Paul said, you know, if the resurrection wasn't real, then we're living in vain, and, and kind of like, if, if the resurrection wasn't real, then it wouldn't matter how you lived, but since Jesus is alive, and since that tomb was empty, And since he's coming back for a people that are prepared to meet him in the air, since there is a hell to miss and a heaven to gain, it matters how I live here. And what I do here affects eternity. It affects souls. It affects this church. It affects family trees and the next generation. So I want to follow God's promise in my life. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, the first thing I want to say is, that you have to know the promise maker. you got to know the promise keeper. Lord said to Abraham, we started that out in the first verse. It said, the Lord said to Abraham. Notice it matters who made the promise. It matters who signs the check. Uh, you know, if, if, if I wrote you a check for $10 million, it's not even worth the paper it's written on. I'll just tell you that right now. But there's folks out there in the kingdom of God, I'll just add, that can sign a $10 million check and that banker handles it a little bit differently than one I signed. (laughs) Like, oh, this check is good. Let's handle this check a little bit differently. And I'll just say to anybody in the kingdom of God, hey, there's a blessing on that check. Let's go. So God. But God shows up and he makes Abraham a promise. We read it that he swore by his name because there was no other higher name than his. And so he says, I'm going to put my name on that promise. And and this book is filled with promises for your life from here to eternity. I just want to remind you today, God has a promise for your life. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how young, how old, how rich, how poor, how healthy, how sick. I don't know. But God has a promise for your life. God has a promise for your business. God has a promise for your home, for your marriage. God always has a promise. And if God promised it, you can stand on it. And so God is a speaking God. He's a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. Uh, From the very first chapter, God is making promises. Uh, speaking into his creation. Uh, Phil mentioned it during worship. He's speaking light into darkness. He's speaking land into void. He's speaking creatures into void. And, and God came to Abraham with this special revelation and this special invitation. And 
when we see Abram here, Ab- Abram is still Abram. He's not even Abraham yet. And we think of him as this father of the faith, grandfatherly. I think of him uh, in his older years, but in this time he was in his younger years. He wasn't the father of faith, but he was the son of Terah. And he was uh, in the Ur of Chaldeans. And th- what you have to understand about this area is they, were, they had very many gods that they served. They were lowercase g gods. And they had a god for every need. They had a god for everything. And we worship one god. But it wasn't this way back then in the Ur of Chaldeans. But this is why Moses reminded his, God's people in Deuteronomy 6. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your strength. But the Chaldeans, they didn't understand that. And so if they needed rain, they went to the rain God. If they needed farms, they went to the farm God. If they needed money, they went to the money God. If they needed healing, they went to the healing God. If they needed grace, they went to the grace God. If they needed sun, they went to the sun God. If their spouse was acting up, they went to... That God. (laughs) Because every specific need they had, they had a specific God that they went to. But Abraham is introduced to Yahweh, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the I am that I am. And he said, Abraham, you don't need all those lowercase g gods of your father's house. He said, I am everything that you need. He says he introduced himself and and it says the Lord, we read that in the first verse, the Lord said to Abraham, the Lord there is is from uh, Jehovah and and we translate Jehovah to Lord but it actually means the highest Lord. Very similar to uh, the New Testament when it says he's crowned Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And here's the promise that he gives Abraham. He says, if you'll leave your father's house that's full of idols and you'll follow me, I'll make your name great, I'll make your family great, I'll make you a great nation, I'll bless you so much that you're a blessing to everybody around you, I'll take it a step further, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. I'll defend you, I've got your back. I'll provide for you. When you need rain, I'll give you rain. When you need sun, I'll give you sun. When you need healing and provision, I'll be there too. But you've got to leave all of those lowercase g gods behind. And this is the same decision that all of us have today. And people like the things that Jesus does for them, but they're missing out on the full blessing of God because they have not left all of the idols of their father's house. They're still putting God in the mix of all the other things. And I know that people don't feel that because I I feel like I'm losing the audience right there. But for us, because you guys are saying, I don't have a little statue in my house that I worship. And I'm glad, I hope not. But we, you know, we don't maybe have a, a statue that we dust off and bow to and sing to. But we do have things we prioritize. We do have things that we put Jesus in the mix of. We settle for a lot of lowercase g gods that we desire more, that America looks to more, serves more, hopes in more, puts more faith in. 
I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's fame. Maybe it's popularity. Maybe it's acceptance. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's political correctness. Maybe it's lust or materialistic things. Whatever it is, we all have idols that we have to cast down and walk away from and say, I don't need anything but Jesus. I'm not putting anything ahead of Jesus because anything that I put ahead of God, it's an idol. And just like Abraham, we ought to walk away from it. And when we walk out of it, God says, I'll be everything that you need. I'll show you a new way. I'll bless you with new things. I'll be everything that you ever needed. You don't need any more of these gods. I am the one and true God that can provide for you. Somebody ought to help me. When you need water, don't go to the water God. When you need food, don't go to the food God. God was saying, if you need water, come talk to me. If you need protection, come talk to me. If you need blessing, come talk to me. If you have an enemy, I'll fight them. If you need a ram, I'll provide one. I'll handle it all because I'm your Lord now. But God said he's a jealous God. He don't want to be in the mix with other lowercase g God. He wants to be the only God. And he says, if you follow me, Abraham, I'll have your back. If you'll follow me, Abraham, I'll be everything that you need. I'll save you. I'll provide for you. I'll bless you. But you've got to leave all these lowercase g gods behind. Because he's the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And everything else is a bad imitation of what God really has for you. The second thing I want to tell you today is... You've got to leave to receive. Uh oh. Yeah, that's the hard word today. There's things you've got to walk out of to walk into what God has for you. He said you've got to leave some things in order to receive some things. I think we say it in the offering a lot, or at least I do, that sometimes we're holding to things and God doesn't want, God can't pour in to a clenched fist. But God has a way of putting in to an open hand. And sometimes I'm hanging on to that dollar bill and God's saying, if you release that, I'll provide for you. I'll give you everything you need. You want that raise. You want that promotion. I got to know I can trust you. But if you'll just live live for me and serve me with an open hand, but you got to let go of some things to receive some things. And sometimes we're holding on to something God never wanted us to have in the first place. He's saying you got to let go to hold on to receive. And and so this is what, this was God's word to Abraham. He said, he said, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you. The word to receive the promise that God had for him was to leave the idolatry of his father's house. And many times, you've got to leave to receive. His father's house was full of idolatry. I'll tell you that Abraham could not have served the one true God the way that he was supposed to if he would have stayed in the atmosphere of his father's house. And and there was some things he had to walk out of. Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's idolatry. Sometimes it's just not something God had for you. 
Other times it's just we've gotten stuck in the comfortable and God's saying it's time for a new level, Ken. It's time to level up. You're like, you've been on, you've been on level two long enough. You've been on, the, Peter said, you've been on milk long enough. It's time for some meat. And, and, but we don't like that because we like to be comfortable. So I got a few. We like to be safe. We like comfort food. I thought I'd get more than that on that. Thanksgiving is coming up. Chick-fil-A, there you go. Closed on Sunday. Just wait till tomorrow. Uh, but ch- don't, I'm going to get off track now. As I say, Thanksgiving's coming up. We like comfort food, right? I don't think I'm going to eat salad on Thanksgiving. We want gravy. We want butter. We want all of that. I don't know about you, but I slept in a comfortable bed with a comforter and a comfortable mattress. We have comfortable cars with climate-controlled houses. We love comfort. But you can't stay in the comfort zone and receive everything God has for you. You can either hold on to what you have or you can give it to God and receive everything He has for you, but you can't do both. Abraham would never have received a promised land if he'd stayed at his dad's land. And many times we're holding on to something God never gave us. And we're holding on to it so tight, controlling it. And God's saying, just let go. Let me have this thing. Let me lead this thing. Let go of the wheel. Let me take this thing. And his father's house was comfortable. He was going to receive the farm and all of this stuff. But God was saying, step out of your comfort zone. And I just tell somebody today, every good thing, every good promise, everything you're believing for will happen outside, not inside, but outside of your comfort zone because that's where faith grows, that's where faith is enacted, that's where miracles happen, but you have to leave what you know and walk into what God knows. He said, where are you leading me? God just said, I'll show you where we're going. But leave Egypt. Walk out of bondage. God has something better for you. Get into the wilderness. Because it's on the other side of the wilderness that God has a promised land for you. I've seen long enough. I've, I've been walking long enough. I've seen people, they get out of bondage. They get into the wilderness. They want to go back. It only took God's people three days, and they wanted to go back to Egypt. And so sometimes we just want to go back to the comfortable. I don't know what it is today, but you have to leave some idolatry. You have to maybe leave some sin, some error to get into what God has for you. Maybe today it's just the comfortability. It's just the known. It's just the easy. And God's saying, step out in faith. Step into something more. I, I just, I, I, I feel like I, I did my uh, pastor's Bible study life group on Friday night. We were talking about David and, and David said, I, I just, I don't want to give God something that didn't cost me anything. I don't want to come into this house today with just a routine worship or just a routine praise or just a go through the motion sacrifice or giving or service. But if you'll leave that and you'll release that and you'll say, God, I've come to give you a sacrifice. I've come to give you a praise. I've come to step out of the routine and I just want to receive something that I've never received before 
And God says, if you want to receive something you've never received before, maybe you ought to do something you've never done before. So somebody ought to get uncomfortable and say, Lord, I've just come to praise you. I've come to give you an extraordinary praise, an above and beyond praise. And I've just come to step out because I want to step in to everything that God has for me. I just tell you, until you get uncomfortable, you don't need the comforter. But when you get uncomfortable, you'll know the comforter's there. And it's when I get outside of my comfort zone that I'm nearer to Him. I'm, I'm walking in His presence. I'm stepping in His shadow. This is why I, I, I focused on this, and I, I, it meant a lot to me, that, that miracle series where the, the man had been on the mat. And Jesus would ask people, and spe- specifically him, do you want to be healed? Do, do you even want to be healed? Uh, be, because, the, and, and at first that question, I, and we dove into it, it's almost kind of offensive, like, well, of course he wants to be healed. He's lame. He's laying on a mat. He's been this way his whole life. He's, been, he's 40 years old and all these things. And, but Jesus asked a very profound question because a lot of people, they're comfortable in that mat. They're comfortable in that situation. And Jesus is saying, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Because you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to leave this place that you've been in. Do you really want to be healed? And, and, and I just feel like that's the question to God's people today. Do you really want the promise? Because you can have it. But you got to stand up. And you got to step out. Do you really want to walk by faith? Do you really want to take up your cross? Because I'll tell you, it's easier to just, to just go with the flow. It's easy to just be carried by, by the currents of culture. It's, it's easier to just, to just go where everybody else is going. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. It's a walk by faith. But I'll tell you, that walk is a blessed walk. It's a walk with Jesus. It's a walk where you're protected. It's a walk where you're provided. It's a walk where you're blessed. And those that come against you. You know, when you walk by faith, you know, I think this is why Jesus would say, do you really want want this? Because when you walk by faith, your life is different now. I've had people tell me, they say, you know, Pastor, I thought this whole church thing was just going to make my life real easy all the time. I said, I didn't tell you that. Because <laughs> it still rains on the just and the unjust. And sometimes when you start following the Lord, I, I remember I had somebody tell me years ago, they said, Pastor, I tithed for the first time. This was years ago. Said, I tithed for the first time Sunday. My car broke down. My wife got a flat tire. My electric bill was higher than it's been in years. What's the deal with that? I said, <laughs> I said, the enemy knows you're right on target. Because once you start walking in the right direction, the enemy starts giving you resistance. I don't know if you've ever been in a lazy river before, but it's easy to just go with the current, but it's lazy. <laughs> and, and the enemy's not going to bother you if you're just floating on the way down the river, but it's when you stand up off your mat and say, I'm going to live right, I'm going to do right, I'm going to take up my cross, 
I'm going to live for God. All of a sudden, the enemy starts fighting you in an area that he knows that you are winning. Oh, come on, somebody. There's resistance in the fight. There's resistance before the win. There's darkness before the dawn. But I just tell you, when you feel the enemy's resistance, you're right on track. Keep on fighting. Keep on walking. Keep on running. God has a promised land for you. I mean, I've had people tell me, you know, once I started doing the church thing, I lost all my friends. It's okay. God has a spiritual family. Abraham could have said, I lost my father's land. He was going to give it to you. God has a new land for you. Everything that Abraham gave up, God gave him better. Hebrews said he obtained a better promise. And, and, and everything that God asks us to release, he replaces with a better promise. And it's like, well, my friends look different now. Yeah, they were friends in the world. Now you have a spiritual family. It's like my weekends look a little different now. Yeah, we're in the house of God. <laughs> it's like my, my, my ways are a little different. Yes, they're better. My habits are a little different. Yes, they're better. But that's why the Lord says, do you even want it? He said, you got to leave those familiar people. you got to leave that family that's in sin, that's in darkness, that's in idolatry. You ought to walk out of that house because God has a better family for you. God has a better promise for you. God has a better house for you. But you've got to leave some things to receive some things. I don't know what you got to leave today, but whatever you leave, God has something better for you. That's why Jesus says, do you even want to be delivered? Do you even want to be healed? And we could preach this all day. I'm not going to, but we could. We could preach this from every book in the Bible. It was more comfortable for Abraham to stay in dad's house, but he obtained a better promise. It was more comfortable for Noah to not build a boat, but the Bible said his family was saved because he built a boat. It was more comfortable for David to stay in the, in the field with the sheep. But he walked into the anointing and fought some giants and gained a throne. It was more comfortable for Gideon to just stay at the press and just keep working the wheat. But he won a great victory in war for God's people. It would have been more easy for Elijah to just stay under the juniper tree, but God had a calling on him. It would have been more comfortable for Jesus to let that cup pass, but his shed blood brought salvation for all of us. It would have been easier for Peter to stay in the boat. It would have been easier for the disciples to just stay in Jerusalem. But I want to tell you, nothing great happens inside of a comfort zone. But God has a promise for you. And if you will step out of that boat and into where your ability ends, His ability will begin. And His grace is enough. And miracles happen when I am stepping out. And when I am moving... There's something about God starts moving. If you want a move of God in your life, just get to moving. And God begins to meet you halfway. Somebody ought to say amen. Last thing I want to say is that you are just one move away. Music come. I might as well have the music come. You're just one move away. Just one move. I, I, I remember um, this uh, Genesis chapter 12. 
is, um, I, uh, I love this, this, this chapter. It's actually one of my, my first sermons when I was really, really young. And I, uh, I remember I was making the point, and I was probably preaching to, to, to teenagers or something, but I remember making the point that if you do one thing, God does like seven things. I have to go back to that passage. You do one thing, God does the rest. You do one thing, God does like seven things. He said, Abraham, if you'll just leave your father's house, I'll give you a promised land. I'll protect you. I'll bless you. I'll make your, your descendants like the sand of the shore, the stars in the sky. You won't even be able to number how many spiritual descendants you have. And I just want to tell you today, if you'll do one thing, God will do the rest. If you'll make, I just want to tell somebody in the house today, you're one move away from your whole life changing. One move. One step. I, I remember, uh, I, rem, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show uh, where people, they collect so many things in their home that their home becomes overrun uh, with just items. Yeah, somebody's helping me. It was, a, it was called Hoarders. And, and I remember this one episode where this guy was attached to his mail. Strange thing to be attached to. But he was. He was attached to mail. And he just had, he had some, kind of, some kind of switch that was, was flipped in his brain that he, he was afraid he would miss a bill or that he would miss some communication or just, just some, some, some letter would come and if he missed it, you know, he would lose his house. He, he just had... He had some fears and, and some irrational things that he needed um, counseling for. But I'll never forget as that, that counselor or if there's a therapist that was in his home, he was trying to get him to throw away one piece of mail. His whole home was overrun by it. And you've looked at the house. I mean, it was wild. It was just stacks of mail. And it was, this was the mail from 1984. I mean, it was literally his whole house. It had mail from decades ago. And he, it, it was so painful for him to part with that, one, that first stack, that first envelope, to put it in the trash and walk away. He couldn't do it at first. I remember he was wrestling with it. He was like, yeah, he would like, like, like let it go and then he'd pick it back up. And he, he'd drop it in a box and, and he'd pick it back up. But finally, he released it. And it was easier to throw away the second stack before the end of that episode, his whole house was cleaned out and he had thrown it all away. But it was that first move that made the tip into his freedom. I want to tell you today that you are one move away from everything that God has for you in your life. I want to see that passage one more time. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country. Just go. And he says, and I'll show. He says, go. Next verse, he says, I'll make. He says, I'll bless. I'll, I'll, if you go, I'll show. If you go, I'll make. If you go, I'll bless. If you go, I'll make. If you go, you'll be so blessed, you'll be a blessing. I'm at five. If you go, I'll bless those that bless you. I'm at six. If you go, I'll curse those that curse you. I'm at seven. And, and if you go, I'll bless everybody that ever comes to God. 
through this promise right here. This promise will be for everybody. If you'll just go, God will do eight things. If you'll just go, God will do the rest. One move away. If you'll go, God will make. If you'll go, God will do the heavy lifting. God will do the rest. A lot of us are trying to make something out of life. But God said, I'll make your life. I'll make your name. I'll make your legacy. I'll make your reputation. I'll make, I'll, I'll do it all. So many times we're trying to make it. But what God can do is better than what we can do. In fact, everything that God makes is great. And I'm in, uh, that's where it says, I'll make your name great. He's not into making things average. He's into making things great. I'll make your name great. I'll make the nation great. And, and God says, Abraham, if you'll follow me, I will make. When we begin to follow him, he begins to create. He begins to make. He begins to make you and shape you and make your life. God told Abraham, if you'll go, I'll make your name great. I'll make your family great. I'll make your legacy great. I'll make all these things great. Jesus said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you into fishers of men. If you will follow God, he will do the rest. He will make, he will create, he will move. If you will move, God will move. I want to tell you, you're just one move away so many Christians today they just want to sit they just want to watch and they say oh we need a move of God we do need a move of God but God says if you'll move I'll move he doesn't say if you sit on the pew I'll move he says if you move I'll move if you move I'll make it great so many times we're praying on God to move, and he's asking us to move. But it's in the move that he's making. And when you move, he begins to level you up. He says he'll take you from mountain to mountain. There's a valley in between. He'll take you from faith to faith. He'll take you from victory to victory. There's things in between. I know that. But God will take you up. God is not going to fail you. God is not going to forget you. God is not going to leave you behind. There is an upward trajectory with God where he is moving and working, but you just have to follow him. I don't know about anybody else, but I want to follow him today. I want to step out into everything God has for me. Let me say it one more time. There's a promise available for you. There is good things available for you. There is a blessing available for you. Don't let anybody take it off the table. Heaven is available for you. Salvation is available for you. Forgiveness is available for you. Hear me wherever you're at today. There's love available for you. There's peace available for you. His love is available for you. Stand with me. I'm going to close with this. I told you it's just one move. Okay? What's the one move? Well, I don't know exactly what that one move is for you. Like I said earlier, maybe it's that I've got to walk out of some sin. I've got to walk out of some idolatry. 
maybe I got to walk away from some appetite. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just stepping out of comfortability because I just been I just been in this in this valley for so long. But here's what Abraham did, and it's in verse four. It says Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Verse four. So he stepped out just like God said, and in verse eight said he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And I just, I can't emphasize how much everything changed, not only for him, but even for us today, that one moment of worship at an altar. You're one day away. You're one move away, one worship away, one prayer away, one sacrifice away. Just one moment of repentance away from everything that God wants to do in your life. I wonder if you bow your heads all over this house. And I don't know what that move is for you today, but I'm going to open this altar and I'm going to invite our prayer team to minister. But I just believe as I pray that God is going to illuminate to you what that step is today. Because I believe God wants to move in your life, but before he moves, he asks you to move. Before he steps in, he asks you to step. And if you'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. I wonder how many would just lift their hand in this house today and say, Lord, I need a touch. I need you to take a step toward me. I'm willing to take a step towards you. I don't know, maybe you just raise your hand. If, if you need salvation in the house, if you need prayer in the house, if you need forgiveness, if you need to walk away from sin, if you need direction, if you need a touch, there's hands all over this house today. If your hand's raised, you have a special invitation from me to come to this altar. I'll pray with you today. But as I pray, I just invite you to come. Lord Jesus, I just pray all over this house, God, that you would motivate us to move our feet today, to walk out of some error, to walk out of some things, but to walk into the blessing that you have for us, God. And I pray, Lord, over this place today that you just begin to do what only you can do as we call on you, as we look to you today. I pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's call on him together this morning. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend, and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.